Season 1, Episode 1, Fife. You're listening to the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor. I'm worn out because I just got done with a writing marathon. That's right, a marathon where you write. And I did that because I am fancy myself a writer, which I do at the blog on showmecomics.com and also the comic book scripts for showmecomics.com. And the empty chair across from me is for Sam Richardson, who is not with us today. Uh, well, at least it is filled with broken promises. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sam had a, a prior engagement that he had to go to, um, and that's fine, you know, because we want normally try to throw him so many bones, you know, that so he can talk about uh, his great artistic works. But we are going to hijack this episode so that we can talk specifically about uh, writing topics. Because I fancy myself a writer, like I said. And Tim, I believe you also fancy yourself a writer. I fancy myself and somebody who likes to dabble in wordplay every so often. Anyway, so what we want to kind of focus on right now, I guess, is the fact that I just came off this writing marathon, which is known as NaNoWriMo, or National Novel Writing Month. And what this is, is it was an idea that some people had, and it has kept growing and growing and growing, um, to where you actually... Uh, dedicate yourself for one month, the month of November, every year, starting at midnight November 1st and going to uh, midnight, technically December 1st, but, you know, the end of the last day of November. And the goal is to write 50,000 words, which will take you to about novel length. That's a lot of words. It is. And uh, you do that all in one month. You can't have any of it written prior. Uh, And you do that. And then at the end... Well, what is the point of the end? And that's what we're going to kind of focus on right now is why would you do this? Try to just hammer out all this stuff because you know it's not going to be perfect. Um, But that's part of the idea. Um, But we want to focus on what is the importance or what's the benefit of actually having a completed written work versus, you know, just kind of coming up with an outline and then trying to slowly chip away. Uh, at completing your story, whether that's a comic book script or a novel or a screenplay or whatever kind of writer you want to be. So, Tim. Jordan. I'll kind of let you take it from here because I'm worn the heck out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, I think we'll start off with the biggest question is, Jordan and I both did this writing comp- challenge. I, it's I'd say competition, but we don't win anything except the glory of having a completed work. So, Well, it's not really a competition because you're not against someone. Like You're right. not trying to force someone else to lose. If you're against so anybody, you you're against yourself. Exactly. Yeah, it's more like a, you know, a powerlifting competition right. if you think about it that way. So uh, how many words did you get up to? The goal was 50,000. So I, I got 50,018. But... I forgot the end, so it should be fifty thousand and twenty. There we go. So Jordan successfully completed the challenge. I did not. I got three thousand. <laughs> That's as far as I got in this challenge. But you know, one of the things that really excited me about this is I remember I used to talk when I was uh, younger of like, "That's my dream someday is to write a novel," and you know, I just could never find the time to write. And somebody said. 
you know, one time, well, you know, if you would just get up and write a page a day, and you multiply that by every day that's in a year, well, son, at the end of the year, you'd have yourself a novel. Who are you talking to that sounds like that? <laughs> and, uh, oh, this was uh, back in the 1930s. Oh, okay. But <laughs> he was sitting on a porch on a swing drinking lemonade. Well, it was cream soda. But the details aren't important. The point is, I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. Um, but I just found maybe some people can work like that, but I found it wasn't conducive to writing a novel. Um, and then when I heard about this NaNoWriMo, and they're just like, just take a chunk out of your life and just blast it out, you know, right. like as fast as you possibly can. But my point is, you got 3,000 words, you look at that, and you're almost 10% done. Right. Versus if you hadn't done it at all. It's also 3,000 more words than I had planned on writing in November. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, now if you were able to do that same thing, 3,000 words a month mm -hmm. for the year, just like that guy told me in the 30s while I was sipping on my delicious cream soda, you'd have yourself a novel. Sure. So it's kind of a, it shows you what you can do. I, uh, I think one of the uh, issues that I had with it is I wasn't even aware. Like, Jordan was the one who turned me on to NaNoWriMo, and uh, I love saying it, even though it's hard to say. But uh, it was probably, like, a few days before November before he let me know. So I was racking my head on, like, what I was going to write. A, a bunch of people, like, knew, I was doing some research on their website. A lot of people knew about this ahead of time. I'm just first coming into it. They already had outlines and everything. They knew what they were going to write. I was struggling with, like, what am I going to write? What am I going to write? And I had a story idea that I uh, – had been working on for about 12 years, but I was still in the outline stage of it. But I'd been in the outline stage for probably about a year and a half now. Right. Um, so what do you, and that's one of the things too, is um, that I learned from NaNoWriMo, but that's also one of the founding principles is to break you out of whatever rut you're in that's keeping you from finishing your project. Right. right. Just do your project. Mm -hmm. And like I said, what the theme about this show is what value do you get from a completed work? Why should I do this? Why should I just push through when if I think what I'm producing is not that good or not as good as it could be, why should I do that versus taking my time each step of the way and finally honing what I have? And, well, first of all, you heard Tim say that he's been in the outline stage for a while, mm -hmm. and now he has 3,000 words. So, Go ahead and give us some uh, insight into that. How does that feel to at least have that portion it, of it uh, out? It feels great to have it because the interesting thing was while I had been in the outline stage, I had I have a lot of my major events for the story that I've been writing for a long time in my head at play for a while. And I have those pretty well defined, but the issue that I had was getting to some of those points. And I just couldn't figure out how to outline some of it. So when it came down to starting Nano, the NaNoWriMo, I literally had no idea what I was going to start with. So basically when I started the NaNoWriMo project, I'm sitting in front of the computer trying to decide whether or not this is the story that I'm going to move forward with or if I wanted to come up with something completely fresh and just shoot from the hip all the way. And I decided to go with the original story that I had been working on. And not knowing how to start it, not even knowing how to really begin it, for some reason sitting in front of the computer just saying, you have to write something. You have to write something, even if it's not good at all. And I literally shot from the hip 
and the first hour I was writing, I had already gotten probably 1,500 words, somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 words with characters that I had never even conceived of before, but with something that definitely enhanced my story and enriched it in a way that I wasn't even conceiving without being under the pressure of write, write, right now. Just put something on paper or computer or whatever. Just get something out there. And I think just getting that kick in the pants, so to speak, uh, really helped get me moving. And I would have liked to have gotten farther on this project, but um, there was just some things going on, like work-wise in the real world, that I just wasn't prepared to make the sacrifice for in order to just dedicate myself solely to writing for that amount of time. And if you go back in our podcast uh, archive, you'll find an episode where Tim and I sit down and talk about um, how to manage time and yeah, get over to, procrastination. And, exactly, and uh, that has some good stuff in there. But that's—I just wanted to mention that because we don't want to focus on that this episode. Not that that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. We just already did that. Right. So this was this wasn't a problem of procrastination. It was just a matter of when it occurred in the year and time and all that kind of things, which is making excuses. I understand, but oh, it's all right. But I really think what you said um, was excellent about the fact that you know you were trying to struggle between do you go off this outline you were trying to maintain Mm -hmm. or do you just start fresh and write and i've heard something from other writers i'm not the first one to cite this uh obviously but there's an interesting quote from george r R. martin i've heard of him he is a well-established fantasy author and i would like to read this quote to you now He says, I think there are two types of writers, the architects and the gardeners. The architects plan everything ahead of time, like an architect building a house. They know how many rooms are going to be in the house, what kind of roof they're going to have, where the wires are going to run, what kind of plumbing there's going to be. They have the whole thing designed and blueprinted out before you even nail the first board up. The gardeners dig a hole, drop in a seed, and water it. They kind of know what seed it is. They know if they planted a fantasy seed or a mystery seed or whatever. But as the plant comes up and they water it, they don't know how many branches it's going to have. They find out as it grows. And I'm much more a gardener than an architect. What Mr. Martin is getting at there is the difference between an outliner and what that would be the architect. Right. And the other term for a gardener is a discovery writer, the kind of person that just sits down and is able to stare at that blank screen or that blank piece of paper and just say, all right, we're just going to start from scratch, see what happens. And I think some people that they think they're purely in one camp or the other. Right. You know, I've heard, uh, you know, some people say that oh i'm just a discovery writer it's like you think that you know but at the same time i bet you as you're formulating let's say chapter five Mm -hmm. you're thinking oh that you know if they do this in chapter five it could cause this in chapter seven you know and that's kind of just percolating in your uh mental ram sure you know what i'm saying so you are doing outlining even if you're not using index cards or 
a bulleted list or something like that. I've talked before that I, I do a bulleted list for outlines. Um, so I think discovery writers also do outlining, mm-hmm. you know, but they prefer one method. Whereas when you go over to the architect side or the outliner, they say, I'm a strict regimented writer. You know, I have to have my outline. I have to know point A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then I just follow it. You know, it's like, well, you're a discovery writer too because guess what? You had to dream up every point on that outline. You discovery wrote your outline. Right. You know, you didn't write your outline from an 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 outline. <laughs> <laughs> that's like this was a, already established in time. I just had to find it. That's like when you see the person who has the video camera hooked up to a TV that's behind them, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, I, my brain can't even comprehend what's going on right now. But, yeah, that uh, I think uh, architects think that that's what they are, you know. But in reality, no, there's no repeating screen behind them. It, it started in their imagination. Um, but the p- important point of that I'm glad you brought that up is I kind of – learned to flex my discovery writing muscle a little mm-hmm. bit more because of NaNoWriMo. Um, and the the way that happened was I had an outline, but I had large gaps. I had not point A, B, C, and D. I had point A and D. Mm-hmm. So I'd write point A because I knew what that was. And then I'm like, oh, this is the point where I normally stop and brainstorm for a few days. But I don't have a few days. This is NaNoWriMo. <laughs> I need to pour another cup of coffee and freaking go. You know what right. I mean? So uh, I found myself discovery writing where I normally don't. And I'll tell you what, it really took me to some interesting places. Because the beauty part is that outliners don't realize is if you discovery write, that doesn't mean you scrap your outline. It means you just get to revise it. Yeah. How, uh, how much of your outline did you have before you started? Okay, so here's what I did. Oh, I could do a whole nother uh, show on this probably. But um, the way I did my outline was a recommended way that I heard from somebody else. Don't want to get into it too much, but it's called a seven-point story structure. Mm -hmm. I heard about it on another podcast from an author named Dan Wells. You can look that up, Dan Wells' seven-point story structure. The reason I did it is I just wanted to try it out because it sounded interesting. Um, so what I did is they basically you think of seven plot points and there is a little bit of rules associated with what kind of plot points they should be but literally I wrote this on half of an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper that was my entire outline okay wow so it, it was like you know if I was going to write the story of what's a well known fairy tale let's uh, pick something Cinderella okay so Cinderella I would have sat down and my outline would have been this simplistic. A girl lives, the family doesn't like them. Girl's family takes advantage of her. A girl gets involved in some magic. Girl meets guy. And then, uh, you know, guy or guy rescues girl in the end. That's as simple as my outline would have been. Okay. Uh, and it's because I have that other outline percolating in my mental you know, coffee machine that backs up that outline. Like, I know who the girl is. I know her name is Cinderella. I know that, you know, she lives with a wicked stepmother or whatever. I don't have to write that down in my outline per se, you know, because I've already kind of brainstormed it, you know, a little bit. But the outline is there as a guide 
so that when I get to point D on the on the list of things, because I wrote chapters A, B, C, and D, I'm like, you know, I really can't remember what point I'm writing to next. Whip out the outline. Oh, yeah, they have to end up in this state. So the chapters that fall in between there are somehow going to have to transition the main character from this state to that state. Right, okay. And that's as simple as it is. Like, you know, hey, I know Frodo is in the Elven Kingdom. I know the next place he has to go are the Mines of Moria. All right, let me think of some chapters in between that. You know, like, how does he get there? How does he get to the Mines of Moria? There's got to be something that goes a little bit wrong because that's not a path they're going to choose on their own. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you that basic skeleton to at least, if you know where you're going, you're not just riding off into oblivion, you know, with no uh, set plot points. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect sense. Um, but, But really, it did get me in that discovery writing mode, which is what I wanted to highlight and what was so important, it's like, I could write it, and you know what? When I go back and edit it, it's November 30th right now when we record this. When I when I go back and edit this in the future, I might throw away 10,000 words out of that copy. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm going to keep some of them on the right side of that 10,000 and some of them on the left side of that 10,000 and some of them in the middle because... I wrote it all the way through. Um, what about you? What oh, I'd like to finish up with any other takeaways you had from the NaNoWriMo experience. Mm. Or let's let's put it this way in a more specific question. Oh, okay. Are you going to do it next year? And if so, what are you going to do differently? Um, now that I'm aware of it, I can plan around it. So a lot of the, uh, a lot of the issues that I had with NaNoWriMo is just uh, – the podcast and website updates. I mean, that takes up a good few evenings of my week in general. Right. Um, then there are some things that I couldn't control, like having to work late and stuff like that. But being able, like knowing of its existence makes me aware and I can do some prep work ahead of time before I actually have to put any words on paper in order for me to better manage my time and, get ready for it so yeah i definitely plan on doing it if nothing else i am hoping to have the book that i have started done by nanowrimo and maybe begin the draft of the next thing that would be excellent Uh, another thing and the last thing i want to touch on about nanowrimo because that's not the entire topic of this writing podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a general theme but one thing that I did as a tool to help myself get to the 50,000, because trust me, during that time I had some dark nights of the soul where I was <laughs> like, I'm just going to eat a piece of pie and drink a beer and uh, uh, I don't need to finish this. Who cares? You know, I, I tried. I'll do it. I'll do better next year. Um, but then I was what kept me from doing that and just sent, scrapping the whole thing all together was I put myself out there. I actually, you know, they had these little graphics on their website, and I, I changed my Facebook icon and my Facebook logo to NaNoWriMo 2013 participant, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I constantly was like, hey, guys, you know, some people write, uh, run a marathon. Some people are going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I, I said that, and I tweeted it, you know, did all this stuff. Um, and then I would tweet out and put on Facebook word count updates, you know, The reason I did all that was not to get people to cheerlead me. Mm -hmm. It was to be afraid. 
And what I mean is, I sure have talked this up a lot. If I don't do it, there's going to be people asking me for the next year probably. Mm-hmm. Anytime they hear about me doing writing, they'll go, oh, yeah, whatever happened with that uh, that NaNoWriMo thing you said you were doing? And then shame, shame, oh, shame you shame. know your name. You I, know? Uh, yeah, I did something. So social media is a good tool to uh, call somebody out on their own stuff if they uh, – if they use it correctly, that's how I uh, that's how I lost a decent amount of weight. Right by yeah. uh, making my like a lot of people a lot of people post there like I'm going to the gym today blah 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 and then people get tired of hearing that but uh, I had put my progress on there mainly just because it kept me account like if I didn't have an update to put on there it's like well that means I'm really not doing anything and there's people that are not seeing it that are asking me did you go to the gym today how's exactly. it going blah 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 and there's people that have been asking me hey how's your writing coming along it's like well I'm here at work instead of writing this book so yeah. you obviously know how it's going but that is uh, you know that putting yourself out there really helped me on those nights where I'm like you know I'm 8,000 words behind I'll try again next year. Yeah. And then I just thought, hey, I'm going to have to answer to these people. And this doesn't apply just to some special contest or competition or whatever they want to call it, challenge uh, that these NaNoWriMo people put up. You make a challenge for yourself. That's all these people did. They threw together a rinky-dink website. You know, I'm sure it gets a lot of hits, you know, from around the country, but it's nothing special. If you are having trouble getting your comic book script done, put go out there and tell somebody or tell a lot of people, today is the day I really take this comic book script seriously. And then the next day put, hey, finish scene one of my comic book, you know, or maybe it's not that big of a milestone. Maybe it's something like came up with two characters from my comic book that Wednesday hey, I figured out a real tough plot point. All you have to do is put out little stuff like that because then, like I said, when you stop telling that stuff, people are going to say, hey, whatever happened to that comic book that you were writing? And that's the thought that's going to keep you from getting out of your chair, from putting the pencil down, or whatever you used to write. It's going to keep you there doing it. It worked for me, at least. I was able to reach my goal. So, and I know I, I put myself a lot more out there than you did. It's true, uh, you know. And I did that purposely. I did change my Facebook cover picture, though. I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> and now I look at it, and it's like, oh. Yeah, now it's shame, shame. shame you shame. know your name. So <laughs> next November, you'll be ready. All right. So at this point, I would like to shift over to the other portion of the discussion, more comic book focused. But before that. What do I have to do? I can't remember because I'm so drunk. I mean, tired. <laughs> so, Tim, you'll have to tell me. What am I supposed to do right now? What? It's the middle point of the show. Oh, the... A show which is sponsored by Well, we usually somebody. record those at the end, so I was... Oh, well, let's just do it right now and keep all this in so that people know how unprofessional <laughs> we are. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't think we're going to do that. I'm going to edit it out. No, uh... keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Who are we sponsored by? We are sponsored by Audible.com. (laughs) AudibleTrial.com? AudibleTrial.com is the website. We're sponsored by Audible.com. 
Okay, well, we're sponsored by Audible, then, if you think about it. Right, but the <laughs> but audibletrial.com is Okay, so go. if you go to audibletrial.com slash show me comics. And that's not the guy from Guns N' Roses. That's just that character on your keyboard. <laughs> slash show me comics. If you put that in, you can get a free 30-day free trial of this service called Audible. He what said if, free twice. That's how free it is. Super free. <laughs> super free. I was going to say that, but my mental uh, comedian editor cut it out. <laughs> well, mine didn't because it has no shame. So you go to audibletrial.com slash showmecomics, and you can get hooked up with a free 30-day free trial. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I did with Audible during this NaNoWriMo, and this is no joke. It's the real deal. It's the inside dish, We're the getting inside serious scoop. Now. So I hadn't written prose in a while in the first week. Of NaNoWriMo, I started writing, and I'm like, man, I'm a piece of garbage. <laughs> I'm d- a dog harsh. who returns to his own vomit and eats it. I'm that bad at writing prose because I hadn't done it in a while. And I thought, you know, hey, my free Audible trial, maybe I can pick up an audiobook about writing and I wanted something specific. I wanted like sentence level writing, you know, mm-hmm. like how to formulate a good sentence. Cause you know, I was good on plot and character and all that stuff. I just needed the, the real mechanics that made it a good read. Um, because comic books are mostly dialogue right. driven. So I just had been away from prose for a while and I went to audible, punched it up and immediately got an excellent result. It was called the great courses and they had one all about how to write great sentences. And then I looked into this whole great courses thing, and apparently this is like picking out the cream of the crop college courses from around the country and then uh, recording them via audio and making them available to you. So if you're sitting out there going, I can't afford to go to an Ivy League college. Well, now you can because you listen to the show, and all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash show me comics and you can get a free college course can you say that about anything else um any other kind of entertainment I don't do they tell so. you this when you're watching tv that you can get a free college course and then guess what if you sign up oh, they tell me to call now for information about culinary college basically for pennies on the dollar you could get a college course whenever you want from audible.com so even if writing sentences isn't what you're looking into they have history courses they have science courses they have math courses they have just courses about everything that you could think of and these are the top educators in the country that are delivering it no reason not to go there right now it's a mind explosion we'll wait that was quick (laughs) all right so now that we're back what we want to talk about is now that i'm done and i have this fifty thousand words what good is it? Because a lot of it, I'll be honest, is you know that stream of consciousness. I'm just trying to hit that goal for the day. Mm-hmm. It could be a lot better than it is. What's the point of doing that if I have to go back and rewrite most of it? Tim, what, what do you think? What benefit do you think of having this 50,000-word chunk could be? What, had- it, what, it, what would it if you had it? If, you I had, if, if I had it, I would be – I'd be looking there and saying – this might be my first draft and the rough draft, but I have a finished story here in my hands. All it needs now at this point is polish. It needs another. It needs a good sanding, another coat, and maybe another sand, and then another coat. But 
most of the work is here. And now it's just refining from there. And then I have something that I can truly be proud of. That's absolutely right. And I could theoretically talk about this on uh, the novel front, but instead, because this is a comic books podcast, I'll tell you my personal experience when this comes to comic books. What happened was we have told you before that we were kind of in our late teens, early 20s, and we did a graphic novel before, and it was a total stinker. You know, <laughs> it was the turd in the punch bowl. Everybody uh, was horrified by Without it. the punch. Yeah, that's true. Without the bowl, even. <laughs> it's like, it's just <laughs> it was a, just on the bridge of your nose. It was terrible. But so we had that. Fast forward, we decided, you know, we never really took that comic book thing seriously. Now that we've learned a lot and we're older, a little bit wiser, take a second crack at it. So we did and came out with a much better product. But what I really learned the value of having a completed work because I was able to go back now to that old comic and be like, ooh, this stinks. This this part really st- What is this, an undigested pearl? <laughs> I'll keep that. <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> In all seriousness, that's what happened. It was like, hey, you know, that, that little balloon of dialogue's not bad. Or, hey, this scene... This is the crux of the story that has to stay. Uh, it could maybe this little part on the edges could be done better, but that has to stay. This other part, what was I thinking? That ha- doesn't even pertain to the story. Chop that out. But I wouldn't know that that part doesn't pertain to the story or that the crux was there if I couldn't view it in context of the total story. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Totally. But I mean, it's like. We couldn't just completely dog on those new Star Wars movies if we didn't have the whole franchise to be able to put it in context and realize how horrible those other movies are. Agreed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm trying to understand what you're talking about because we've agreed that those movies don't exist. And we've brought them up almost every show. (laughs) They only exist for ragging purposes. (laughs) I mean, they only exist as an example to... tell our audience what not to do and i think this is one of those times but uh, you know you wouldn't be able to view them in context you'd probably just think they were some campy fun thing i would have thought if you saw them by themselves but seeing them next to the other ones you're like whoa there's a really good story here they really messed three parts of that six part story up yeah or they had like the basic idea of the story down fine, but they wanted to throw in a bunch of stuff that really was not pertinent to the story at all. And yeah, and that's the value though of being able to see a finished work uh, in context. Now, the Star Wars example is a little backwards because the good part came before the bad part, which is not usually how it goes. Unless but... you're George Lucas and you think the good part—it's all good. So, it's... oh well, the good is always in the future. You can go back and change it anytime he wants. <laughs> But seriously, the point of this is if you're one of those people out there that, you know, they've rewritten issue one of your three-part miniseries, you've rewritten that issue one five times, maybe the problem why issue one's not gelling is because you can't see it butted up against issue two and issue three. Maybe if you could see the whole three-part story in context, and that doesn't mean finished comic, it just means a script. You'd be able to tell, well, hey, that part that I keep 
rewriting? Well, two drafts ago, that one scene actually fits when I see the whole narrative of the story. I mean, have you ever run into that in a a series, whether you're reading it or writing it, where the context totally made something look different? Um, I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head. But I there's a lot of times where I'll be reading a comic and I'll just have and there'll just be an issue where it's like, why is this issue issue even here? It doesn't it doesn't really give anything to the story arc. You could have done the story arc in three issues instead of five. You've just bloated it for no reason. Right. So, but it it depends on if you missed a part of it, you know. Uh, Maybe if you missed, like, a zero issue or something, you'd understand, Mm. oh, well, there was a relationship established here, and that's why they have this part that feels like bloating. I I remember watching the television show Lost, you know, Mm. and they would have what my wife and I lovingly referred to as filler episodes sometimes. And that just meant no action was happening, you know. Um, But I can only imagine if somebody, that was like their first episode of Lost that they watched was one of these filler episodes, they would think, what is going on? Because they're supposed to care about those characters right off the bat, Mm -hmm. you know. But if this is their first introduction and there's no action to pull them into the story... They're going to be like, what the heck? But viewed in context, now suddenly it becomes a different story. Sure. And that could be a problem in a comic book. It's like you're trying to have this very you know, uh, powerful relationship piece, <clears throat> but you haven't established that relationship or those characters for people to care about. If you could finish your work and view it in context, you could say, wow, you know, issue one, I had all that heavy relationship stuff. Issue two, I made you care about the characters. I need to flop some of those elements around. I need to have more of the get-you-to-care stuff in issue one and a little bit more of the relationship tension in issue two. It's almost like just being able to switch around pieces of a puzzle once you have the whole thing together. Yeah. I think that's a huge value of being able to have a finished work instead of the eternal, I got to make this perfect. struggle. Yeah, I got to make this part perfect. I got to make this part perfect before I move on to... You know, the next part. That's where I was up until November, where I just wasn't running it. It's like, I still have, like, I have a Google Drive doc. I, I have two, actually. One that's uh, the outline, but then I stopped doing the outline. I was just, like, 11 pages of, like, just free-form notes where just things that are coming out of my head as I'm thinking about, okay, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll, like, add this to the outline later, but right now I'm just trying to come up with, like extrapolating certain elements into greater things that I can weave into the story and world building and character development and all that kind of thing. They're just coming in my head. They don't have any real structure that needs structure. And then I could, I could literally be doing that for ever. Like I've been doing it. Technically I've been doing it for 12 years. So, so I think the real final thought, I mean, you talked about you were caught up in that outline rut Right. You know, I just couldn't break out. Uh, but this kind of gave you that push of momentum doing the whole NaNoWriMo yeah, thing. Definitely. But maybe our audience members are out there and they're stuck or they can't find out why their comic clicks. And I know every writer, what it, and it doesn't matter, whatever you're writing, you've got some sort of backstory, mm-hmm. some sort of later on, you know, story. I mean, just like we said, we weren't going to talk about it, but the whole Star Wars thing is like when... <laughs> Part of what made those movies so great is he had that backstory in mind, you know. Um, but if he, you find yourself in a rut, 
write the rest of it, write those bookends so that you can see it in context. And that's one of the things that NaNoWriMo did for you, right? It gave you that push out to where you're like, I can actually see a meaty chunk of my outline now. It's not just a skeleton. It's got meat on it. It's right. got flesh on it. And like just seeing that one little portion, I bet you you view your outline completely different now, don't you? It's There's definitely a lot of things that have to change about it now. Yeah, which is a good thing. That's exactly what we're talking about, the benefit of having a completed work or at least a completed segment of a work to be able to look back on that really is a game changer. And the way I view it is, have you ever seen a chainsaw artist? You mean like ice sculptures and things like that? No, I mean like a log, like a redwood oh, lumberjack no. kind of a guy. All right, you should probably find a video and link it in the show notes. But okay. there's people, well, there's a lot of them out in California, but I'm sure they're everywhere. They're called chainsaw artists, and they'll just take a big stump of a tree. And I mean big, like as tall as you are, you know? It's and the first stump. thing they do... What he's eventually going to do is he's going to carve this really intricate little bear catching a salmon in his mouth. You know, like a statue of that. With a chainsaw? With a chainsaw, no doubt. But what they'll do first is they don't start trying to put the detail of the fish, you know, in first with a chainsaw. They hack off the right side. They hack off the left side, the front, the back, you know. Then they hack off a little bit of a smaller section than they hacked off the first time. And they keep doing it until they've got this like an oval or or like an egg shape, you know. At least they were able to do that. And then they they know, hey, this is where the bear's neck's going to be. They cut out a wedge, you know. I mean, sculptors do the same thing. I'm just uh-huh. using the chainsaw thing because it's a little bit more obscure, and I like to think that I'm cooler like that. And this podcast <laughs> needs more chainsaws. Yeah, every podcast needs more chainsaws, uh, which is go back and listen to our Halloween episode. <laughs> so... Uh, but what they're doing is they're they're bringing out a layer of form every time, and that's what you can do by actually pushing beyond those that scene or scenes that you're stuck on. Get that full, you know, egg shape before you try to get the bear's face. Is what I'm trying to say. So, um, that's how I felt exactly when I did Nanorimo. I was like, you know what? This thing that I finished, this 50,000 words, this completed work, same way I felt about that first iteration of the comic when I looked back at it. Ugh, this thing is just an egg shape. If I go tell somebody this is a bear with a salmon in its mouth, they'll look at me like I just escaped from the loony bin, you know? (laughs) But when I refill my chainsaw with gas... I'm going to be able to do a lot better detail work now because I've gotten past those initial forming and just getting rid of the excess material, and it made it a lot of fun. People think of editing and revising. They think of your English teacher with the red pen that's circling and saying, (laughs) you know, you'll shoot your eye out, kid, you know. Oh, no. What was this? C minus or whatever? C plus. Oh, oh yeah. C, C plus. plus. <laughs> C plus. Oh, no. We but do impressions what, on this show. That's what people think of with the editing and revising. And no, editing and revising can be fun. That's where you get to put the detail in on your wooden bear. You know, that's where you get to use the chainsaw like a delicate instrument. That's where you get to go in and say, 
let me have a lot of fun with the sentence because I need to, or I know how to write them now because I took the great courses on audibletrial.com slash showmecomics. That's where you get to have a lot of fun. So my challenge to you, you don't need NaNoWriMo. You're out there, you want to make comics, you want to make your comic book script, or you want to make your comic book six-part miniseries. Take whatever chunk of time you need, but be honest with yourself and be restrictive. Say, I want to finish the script for this six-part miniseries I have an idea for in the next three months. Stick to that three months. Tell people about it. Impose your own challenge, your own NaNoWriMo on yourself. Because when you're done, you are going to have hacked away a lot of excess material, and you can go through that completed work with a fine-tooth comb, and you just sit there and pull out the stuff you don't need, add a little bit of what you need, and before you know it, you're going to realize, hey, because it was completed, now I'm on draft four, and draft four is, is awesome, instead of the continuous draft one. You will get your barren salmon. That's right. So, Tim, final thoughts? I don't have any. All right. <laughs> then, we would like to wish you something. Uh, we'd like to wish you the best in your salmon catching. Salmon catching. We're showing me comics on, by, on behalf of myself and Jordan. We're wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. And for all the things you want to read, like our blog, listen to our podcast, buy a copy of the comic, you can go to showmecomics.com and that's comics with a CS because we know how to spell and, and I'm a blowhard and I always tell you about Twitter <laughs> you can find us at showmecomics on Twitter and tweet us stuff and also you need to go review us in the iTunes store and uh, I promise you <laughs> that you will like it I promise you if you buy our comic only $9.99 on showmecomics.com 64 page Full <laughs> graphic novel. Check us out. That's my promise to you. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard. Uh, but in reality, Facebook.com slash half graphic novel. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Show Me Comics. <laughs>